0: It's about being responsibly armed. So load and make ready. This is Rapid Fire. Welcome to Rapid Fire, your weekly 2A talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. We're glad to have them as sponsors of this show. They're very consistent in their support for the Second Amendment and uh, great products and service as well. So check them out. And thank you for tuning in each and every week. You can go over to rapidfireradio.us and sign up to be alerted whenever we go live. You can also join the conversation and follow along as we broadcast live on the text line or on the uh, active chat, which we'll get to your questions a little bit later in the show. But you can also give us a call, 508-444-2120 is the number to call us, leave a message, or send us a text That's the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. And don't forget to like and subscribe, comment, share, and otherwise shout from the rooftops all of our social media pages on whatever social media subscription service you, uh, you consume your social media on. We're at Cape Gunworks and at Rapid Fire Radio on all the usual big tech platforms, plus some of the alt-right or the alt-alternative ones, I should say, Uh, the alternative sites uh, like Rumble out there and uh, Twitch and uh, Telegram, which are all gaining in popularity. We had an interesting sidebar conversation about this before the show started, about where you get your media from, and uh, the question was posed to me by Professor Claw, what are you going to do about big tech and legacy media that won't talk about the stuff that's important. You Um, are fake news. They only talk about the stuff that they want you to believe. And I said, you got to stop consuming it (laughs) from those platforms. That's my only, uh, you know, it's fine to monitor it from the sidelines, but I've long stopped getting any news from legacy media, including even Fox News because I feel like they're all part of the problem, not the solution. Uh, Media has done America a horrible disservice, where they were created and given constitutional powers and protections uh, by our founders in order to keep government accountable. And what has happened is they have come alongside our government and become complicit in their deception and their schemes. So... For that reason, I'm out, <laughs> as so many on Shark Tank say. But uh, yeah, I, I have not paid any attention or mind really, except if the president's speaking or something like that, you have to tune in. But as soon as that's over, I'm I'm out. Uh, so I've I consume most of my news from other sources. I do I do like to keep my you know, feed in the pool, if you will, and, and monitor it from other places, but I certainly don't pay it much mind, and it's been said a lot lately that if you want the truth in news, just believe the opposite of what they're telling you, and that's kind of the uh, been the way it's gone the last couple of years, so anyway, I don't know why I got down that rabbit hole. Just like and subscribe to our page, wherever you find your social media, and we'll we won't feed your fake news. We'll give you some good content that you can follow. Um, but anyway, uh, some of the news that's been breaking in the Second Amendment world this week is uh, there's a a little bit of a setback, if you will. I guess it's not much of a setback. It's kind of more in, in the column of to be expected. But a lot of people were putting their hope and faith in Amy Coney, Coney Barrett, who's in charge of the Seventh Circuit Court of Appeals. Um, And there was an emergency appeal for the Illinois assault weapons ban and magazine capacity ban that the Seventh Circuit was kind of dragging its feet and not doing anything about it. So they just went to try to one up it and go above its head, if you will, and appealed directly to the Supreme Court. And Amy Coney Barrett, who is in charge of the Seventh Circuit, each justice has a different court that they are in charge of a certain segment of Uh, you know, the appeals courts that they are in charge of. So Amy Coney Barrett is from that area and she um, is the one that was in charge of the Seventh Circuit. So they appealed to her and said, hey, can you take this case? Uh, We need an emergency judgment declaration to clear up, you know, what's going on here. We feel it's unconstitutional in the light of the Bruin decision. And so, uh, all of a sudden, the Seventh Circuit came alive, and we're like, "Wait a minute, hold on, what you did? What?" And so, they got off their keisters and they started to move, and they started to put out, you know, a very fast track, aggressive track of, um, you know, conferences and whatnot. So they they have really come to the forefront, and there was a three judge panel put together to to act on it. And so they did and so as a result the supreme court did not take the case up and uh it'll be you know tried through the usual channels in the 7th circuit which oh my. which three judge panel ends up with it we don't know it's not the same 3 necessarily that ended up uh deciding to fast track this case but Nevertheless, it's getting some traction, it's getting some movement, and it might have some good momentum. So it doesn't necessarily mean that the Supreme Court will never look at it. It just means they're not looking at it right now. So that's what you know. one thing to bear in mind. So anyway, um, we also have in the news a, a situation in New York, which is a little bit closer to us. Uh, Attorney General Letitia James has decided to sue a company that's very familiar to us here at Cape Gunworks called Mean Arms, and they make something called the MA lock. And it's a mag lock, basically that locks the magazine into like an AR-15, and uh, so that it can't be removable. Well, Letitia James is saying that this shooter in Buffalo, New York, um, was able to purchase this AR15 with this mean arms MA lock which ended up he modified the gun and and altered it to remove the magazine from it so that it would have a detachable magazine and before he went on his rampage and so she is basically trying to hold her accountable hold hold them accountable for the actions of this psycho madman who shot up a grocery store now, this is you know, unbelievable to me if you ask, ask me because um, it proves that criminals don't care what laws you pass, right? So even though the company provides a product that another company uses so that they can a- abide by the law in New York, a criminal who has evil intent found a way to circumnavigate that law in order to help him carry out his evil and by the way the law abiding person is still stuck with a literally and figuratively a fixed 10 round magazine because they're afraid to violate the law because they don't want to ruin everything that they've worked for in their entire life for a silly Uh, arbitrary law but anyway that's uh that's the way it is and hopefully this lawsuit goes away but we'll talk about that on the other side we have a lot going on at cape gunworks don't forget to check out date night every friday ladies night on thursdays and we also have range experience packages you don't need a license to shoot If you do a range experience package or any instructor-led event at Cape Gunworks, so go over to our calendar, get signed up, or give us a call, or stop in and we'll show you around. I'm Toby Leary. This is Rapid Fire. We'll be right back. The firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today. The USCCA can help fortify your home, sharpen your awareness, and develop your defensive plan. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up. Your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex Difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. The phone number here is 508-444-2120. If you want to make your voice be heard, give us a call or leave us a message or send us a text, 508-444-2120. Last week's Twitter and Rapid Fire radio poll was, do you think state licensing schemes will go away because of the Bruin case? And a whopping... 66% 66 of you say no, 41% were not in my lifetime, and 25% were no, never. Uh, 25% of you believe yes in 5 to 10 years, and another 8.3% believe yes in the next 1 to 5 years. So I was surprised to see um, the vast majority of you believe that state licensing schemes are here to stay even in light of the Bruin uh, decision. But this week's Twitter and rapid-fire radio poll is a similar question. It's, should you need a license to own or purchase guns? Yes or no. It's very simple. Uh, It is currently trending at 100% no. So out of the 66% of you last week who thought that they're here to stay, licensing schemes, 100% of you, it seems so far, don't think you should need a license to own or purchase a gun. But you can find the poll question at rapidfireradio.us or go to the Rapid Fire Radio Twitter page, all one word, Rapid Fire Radio. Find us and vote. Let your voice be heard. And this week's special Secret Squirrel Toby Leary discount uh, for all of you who are playing and following along at home is ARMS, A-R-M-S. If you put that special word in your uh, discount code box at checkout, you will get a very special discount off your entire order online. So don't share that with friends. That's a secret between us, okay? Just keep that Ah! between us. Um, So let's get back to this Mean Arms story because we have used these a lot in our... um, you know, fixed mag ARs. In fact, I felt like this was a better product than some of the other ones out there because they are harder to manipulate or harder to make the gun, um, alter the gun, if you will. But Letitia James does not think that. So uh, it says here that the lawsuit reveals the Buffalo shooter had purchased a semi-automatic rifle, with the MA lock installed in a 10-round magazine in January of 2022, using the common tools and a power drill, he removed the lock, enabling to, uh, him to attach multiple legal, illegal, excuse me, under New York law, 30-round 30, 30 detachable magazines. This modification allowed the shooter to continue firing 30 rounds without reloading, as would be the case with the New York arbitrary number of 10 rounds, and according to the AG that somehow contributed to the increased lethality of the attack. Attorney General James's legal bullying of mean arms is part of her ongoing efforts to claim she is doing something to curb gun violence, quote unquote, and to force responsible gun safety laws on New York. In recent months her office was wasted has wasted taxpayer monies on a statewide gun buyback program and cracked down on om- line ammunition sellers for illegally shipping while the lawsuit claims to hold mean arms accountable it is worth noting that the laws like new york's banning of so-called high capacity magazines could face legal challenges various federal courts including the ninth circuit court of appeals have ruled such bans unconstitutional citing the second amendment right to bear arms the lawsuit against Mean Arms, however, underscores the Attorney General's commitment to doing the dirty work of gun banners. The legal action has garnered support from advocacy groups like Every Town for Gun Safety, as well as local leaders, including U.S. Representative Brian Higgins, the Buffalo Mayor Byron Brown. Now, that was from uh, Bearing Arms, by the way. Uh, oh, I, I apologize. That was from Ammo Land. That was uh, F. Real editor in chief of AmmoLand, an article by him, and uh, interesting to point out is the high capacity magazines or standard capacity magazines are already banned in New York. Secondly, the guy altered the gun, which is illegal under the uh, the Safe Act, to make it so it it accepts detachable magazines. And he used tools to do this. So he didn't care he was violating the law. And he didn't care that he was using, quote-unquote, high-capacity magazines. But the biggest one is the fact that he murdered people. That should tell you something. That is that he was willing to commit a heinous act against a fellow human who is totally unrelated, totally... uh, an innocent bystander in all of this and he's, he was willing to do that. So somebody who's that criminally minded could care less about whatever law that you pass or whatever regulation you put on law-abiding responsible gun owners. And as we've seen time after time after time, there's nothing that you can do, no law that you can pass that'll change the intent of somebody's heart. He knows he was going to end up either dead or going to jail for life as a result of this. And that alone did not deter him. So you think your little uh maglock and fixed magazine and 10-round mag ban and ban on 30-round magazines is going to in any way shape the outcome of what is going to happen in your communities. You have your head in the sand. You are lying to yourself. And you're willfully and woefully ignorant. So um, all you're doing is making it harder for the good people to protect themselves, and they're the ones who are going to ar- comply to your arbitrary and unconstitutional, by the way, uh, laws that that further encumber them from enacting, uh, from following the law. So anyway, uh, that's a that's a you know, ongoing situation. We'll see how that plays out. They also make something called the mean arms, MA loader, which we we sell and, and are great alternatives. But one thing it also does is it speaks to the human heart, right? Because when you tell someone who's not the problem that they can't have because of criminal activity, we take great offense to that. And it's like, if you're telling me I can't have a detachable magazine because criminals might go use them to commit murder and mayhem, even though you're soft on crime and you let m- violent criminals out of jail and they're felonies, you know, career criminal felonious career criminals, and they continually uh, reoffend, but yet you don't do anything about it. That that tells us that you don't really care about fixing the problem, all you care about is regulating us. All you care about is um, dictating your tyrannical views upon us, the people who aren't the problem. So uh, that that to me creates this environment where we're going to figure out a way to lawfully and legally circumvent whatever law you come up with. That's the whole intent of maglocks and MA loaders was if I can't have a detachable magazine, maybe I can have a loader that will load down through the ejection port just as quickly as a magazine change. Because really that's what it comes down to, is I don't want to be dictated to you uh, by you, who has no authority to tell me what I can and can't do, but I'm also not willing to go to jail and die on this battlefield, so I'm going to figure out a way to get it done regardless. It's called Yankee ingenuity. It's been happening forever. And so... That, and you, and you would think like it's funny how the groups for every town and Bloomberg, the uh, you know at the end of that article, how they're champion championing this lawsuit by Letitia James. You would think that they would be in support of the Mean Arms group, saying these guys came out with a product that limits a gun to ten rounds, and it's fixed in the gun. It's fixed in the gun. Like you can't take the magazine out and it limits it to 10 rounds. That's like gun grabber utopia. That's like gun grabber um, paradise. That's almost Cuba. You know, it's like gun grabber paradise. It's, uh, you know, so if they're approaching nirvana for their gun control with this, item that limits the gun to 10 rounds and it defeats a 10 round uh, detachable magazine like nothing could be better but instead they're again showing what their true intent is and that is to bankrupt the gun industry and to make it so that nobody can buy a gun that's really what they're after even though they say nobody's after your guns you guys who cling to your guns and your religion, you know, you just got to chill out. And then fast forward 15 years, 16 years, they say, we need to change the the view of gun ownership in America, um, okay, or the attitude around gun ownership. And then you say stuff like Australia-style gun control. Nah, you know what? We have something that Australia doesn't. It's called the Constitution. It's called the Bill of Rights. It's called the Second Amendment. And so you're not going to get it. You're not going to just come round up our guns. I'm sorry. That's not going to happen. Serbia do need an AR-15. Serbia is doing that, by the way. And they don't have a Second Amendment either. You know who does, though? It's not called the Second Amendment, but they have constitutionally protected gun rights. Is the Czech Republic very good manufacturer of firearms by the way Uh, they make some great guns and uh, they do have a protected right to keep and bear arms so that's really good we're going to talk a lot about that today so you don't want to go anywhere we're going to talk all about bearing arms but if you travel and you want to get a license in multiple states check out our utah 36 state concealed carry class you get everything you need to apply for the utah license even though it's probably unconstitutional you can still abide by it for now until it is ruled unconstitutional. Go to CapeGunworks.com and click on the class link to book the class today. We will be right back. This is Rapid Fire.
1: Too hard to leave shots like these to chance. Now you never have to compromise performance again. Federal premium heavy bismuth hits ducks and upland birds with 9.6 gram per cubic centimeter pellets sourced from heavy shot. 22% denser than steel. More energy downrange. Launched by the flight control wad, heavy bismuth patterns consistently and is safe in all shotguns. Loaded in the USA by Federal Ammunition.
0: Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. You can always tell us what you think, morning, noon, or night, 508-444-2120. We're always on to take your message or call us live when we're recording the show, 508-444-2120. Or send us a text. I know that sounds a little like an oxymoron, live while we're recording the show. But if you know, you know. Uh, we are here live and we record it. So there you go. Anyway, um, this week's winner, Travis M., you are a winner in my book, pal. Look for an email from us. You won the bullet whiskey glass that is hand blown, mouth blown glass by none other, none other than uh, the glass shop or the glass studio, excuse me, a world renowned glass blower. And it's got a 50 caliber bullet. It's the 500 Smith and Wesson bullet that is in the side of the whiskey glass, provided by Cape Gunworks by the way, to the glass blower. and you 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 got it. You're the winner. And we're giving away this week a pair of Leopold sunglasses. These are really, really awesome sunglasses. Ask me how I know because um, I use them myself. And so these are the tracer. Uh, The frame is shadow tan. The lenses are bronze mirror. They're polarized, and it includes a yellow and clear lens. Uh, These are assembled in USA. They're great sunglasses. I love them to death myself. This is like $149 value. These are great. You don't want to miss out. So we will give these away on next week's show. So make sure you go to rapidfireradio.us to sign up and win. You'll go uh, go to RapidFireRadio.us, scroll down a bit, enter the contest, and we will pull the winner next week. And don't forget about this week's super secret squirrel discount code: ARMS. A R M S.
2: Oh my!
0: By the way, uh, just a quick update: This Friday we have the Top Shot Invitational Golf Tournament. It is if it isn't sold out, it is really close. But if you want to jump in and play, you gotta you gotta sign up right now because it's gonna be sold out any second. It always does sell out. We have 188 golfers in this tournament. It's turned out to be the biggest tournament on Cape Cod, and we're pretty proud of it. It's sponsor. It's it benefits two veterans charities in our area, and uh, we'll throw the link in the description. We also have a pretty big day on Saturday going on. Uh, We have FN is coming to the shop to tout their wares if you want to check out any of the new FN guns and pistols and long guns, etc. We're going to have a range day and a a good, uh, you know, uh, one of the reps will be here for that. We also have Mantis X, a brand new vendor at Cape Gunworks. uh, Here at Cape uh, Gunworks, we have... Um, A lot of people have been asking for these laser training aids for dry fire practice, but I think the Mantis X is great because it ended up, um, you can do it live fire or as a dry fire practice, and it really shows you what your trigger press is like, et cetera, et cetera. So it'll help you smooth it out. So we have all that going on this Saturday and Sunday. We have Representative Jim Jordan coming to. Cape Cod. So we're pretty pumped about that. Uh, Hopefully we'll get some time to interview him for Rapid Fire. I know Jared from Guns and Gadgets will be here. Uh, If you haven't met Jared, he's a great dude and he's supporting this event as well. So we're pretty excited about that. Um, So there's going to be so much going on. It's Obviously we're trying to send Jim Jordan home with a big fat check from his for his pack, his re-election campaign, et cetera, and also thinking about how awesome the good people of Massachusetts are as far as 2A supporters, etc., etc. So, yeah, go ahead and um, sign up for one of those three events, and you'll be doing some good in the community. Uh, but tell us what you think. Call or text 508-444-2120. Also, uh, one of the other things that um, – has been going on here is uh, that we wanted to talk about is um, a federal judge in New Jersey granted a preliminary injunction against a bunch of the tenants of gun control law in New Jersey uh, in their Bruin response bill. So uh, there was a 235 page ruling and basically they threw out a bunch of stuff or uh, put in a preliminary injunction on, a bunch of it, but basically saying, um, this is, you know, unconstitutional. And what's amazing to me is how many, uh, how many of these bills in response to Bruin continue to get it wrong. (laughs) Massachusetts is one, New York's another one. And New Jersey here is another one. I think also there was a lawsuit filed last week in Maryland, uh, about a whole bunch of restrictive handgun carry laws that were passed. So um, there was a new law passed. Uh, it was Senate Bill Number 1 signed by Governor Wesley Moore, which had added a whole bunch of new restrictions on where legally licensed citizens may carry firearms for personal protection. So SAF and Maryland shall issue the Firearms Policy Coalition and three private citizens, um, all who possess wear and carry permits uh, filed a, a lawsuit. So it seems like the uh, the battle is in the courts. It's going to be happening uh, for a while now, for years to come, I'm sure. Uh, but that's where the the battleground is is right now in response to Bruin. So a bunch of states tried to comply without complying, and they're starting to get smacked down. Um, but also you know, a lot of the established law under the old way of looking at gun control in that two-step process is now all on the table. So we'll see how it goes. Um, we had Representative Boebert introduce a bill to repeal the gun control and defend the Second Amendment. I'm sure that, you know, the Senate will not pass a concurring bill and President Biden will certainly probably not sign that after all the saber rattling he's been doing on, uh, on gun control that he wants to propose. So lots going on, uh, as it relates to that. Um, we have a, you know, the court system is the battleground. So, uh, you're going to have to follow along in the, in the, in the courtrooms, if you will. So let's answer a few questions from the chat. Um, so, I appreciate everybody who's, who's commenting. Uh Duncan is hoping that the poll ends up 100% no on uh should you need to uh have a license in order to purchase and carry a firearm. Um right now it's currently at 100% no. So, <laughs> we'll see how it how it shapes up as the show goes on. Um let's see uh the media now cheerleaders for one side or the other, and not a bit impartial. I would agree with that, Mike. Um, and a right delayed is a right denied. I I have said that many times on this show, and I agree one hundred percent. And I heard overheard one of our instructors today talking to a group of people who were taking our class, our license to carry class, and he basically was saying, "Now you got this done. Your kind of one to three month wait is." The meters started ticking, basically. He's telling them, yeah, you probably got about one to three months before you're going to see your license. And that's a perfect example of that. Right delayed is a right denied. These people have no right to keep and bear arms in the state because the state is requiring them to get a license to carry. We're going to talk a ton about that in the second hour. Um, But I, I agree with you, Mike. And you can't do that with any other right that is enumerated under the Constitution. You can't issue a license, charge a fee, you can't sell a permit, you can't um, issue some sort of piece of paper or photo ID in order to go speak at a college or to go to church or to um, make sure the police don't knock your door down at night wanting to go through your dresser drawers or your, you know, look under the bed and under the pillow for contraband that they might suspect you of having. Like, none of that, there's no license that exists in order to guard yourself against that or to enable you to do any other constitutionally protected right. Except we we lose our collective heads when it comes to guns and we start to say, oh, well, you know, guns are different. Well, no, they're not. Why are they treated any differently than any other constitutionally protected enumerated right? But I digress. We'll leave that up to you guys to discuss. Uh, throw, your, throw it out in the chat and or in the comment of this video or give us a call 508 444 2120. Don't forget about our new pistol training series, Pistol 1, 2, 3, and 4. It is a progressive learning experience from never having to shot a gun to where it all comes together, drawing from the holster in a worst case scenario in an everyday carry situation. Um, so it's a great class that phases you into it um, throughout a four-step approach. So sign up today at KateGunworks.com, and we will get you into our latest and greatest classes. And we will be right back. We got Edgar on the other side. You don't want to miss out. So we'll see you on the other side. This is Rapid Fire. A firearm for personal protection has never been more popular than it is today the uscca can help fortify your home sharpen your awareness and develop your defensive plan go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up your family safety and security is your responsibility go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a uscca membership and get special training legal advice and legal protection you and your family need Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today. Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And for the second consecutive year, we are a sponsor of the PDN Training Tour, we're the media sponsor of the PDN Training Tour, which we're really proud of and excited to be a part of. Um, And we have Edgar on the line with us today, who is one of the PDN Training Tour uh, instructors. So thanks for joining us, Edgar.
3: Yeah, I appreciate you inviting me.
0: Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, you've been doing a lot with the PDN training tour lately. Uh, you do a bunch of classes. And why don't you tell everyone a little bit about what you've been up to and what kind of classes you offer?
3: Yeah, so uh, primarily we're doing the the frequent Silk Carry classes. That's something that we've been doing for, for a very long time, uh, going about 13 years of, of doing that stuff. Uh, but now including that with the PDN tour, as well as doing the intuitive defensive shooting stuff, uh, one of the exciting things that we're doing as part of the PDN tour this year is we're traveling a lot to Mexico and, and providing uh, instructor development courses down there as well, um, but training for, for the Mexican population as well. So mm. that that's an exciting new thing that we're providing uh, with this PDN
0: tour. Yeah, that's great. So you're a bilingual instructor, obviously. Correct. Uh, so that's yeah. great. I did follow along a little bit about that. You just did some classes in what part of Mexico was it?
3: So I was down uh, in Guadalajara. I'll be going back to uh, Saltillo, Coahuila, which is in the northern part of of Mexico. Um, Pincus, Rob Pincus, he went down to Guadalajara and did some more classes, some follow-up classes, and then we'll be going back later on to Guadalajara. And again, like I said, northern part of Mexico as well uh, later on. So the, the PDN tour is, is international this year. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I think it's always been right because Bob yeah. and Rob goes to to Europe. I don't think we've ever been down to to Mexico though, to our our neighbors.
0: Yeah, that's great. What a great service. I mean, obviously, uh, the type of instruction that you guys provide is necessary everywhere, but um, especially in some of the those areas in Mexico are very crime, you know, ridden areas, and yeah, uh, you know, so gun ownership is possible down there. Then, from the sounds of it, right.
3: Yeah, if, if you were to think about uh, some of our most restrictive states here in the U.S., that's probably about as restrictive as Mexico is, maybe a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, their biggest issue is cost. It, it, it's pretty cost-prohibitive for, for many humans down in, in Mexico. It's just insanely expensive right. to, to buy guns and ammo and stuff like that, but yeah. a possibility.
0: Hmm. Well, do they still have that caliber restriction too, like nothing over 38 38- super or basically
3: yeah basically anything that the military has they cannot have okay um but just like any other government rule um if you do it one way it works and if you do it the other way it doesn't work mm. so it's, it's all about how you word it how you do it and how you apply it uh, but yeah that's still a thing
0: so guns for everyone is the name of your organization correct correct yeah and so correct. you've been doing a free license to carry a free free concealed carry class for 13 years wow yeah, that's impressive. I've yeah, been doing
3: it for for a while here in the state of Colorado. We've instructed over a hundred thousand students. Um, mm-hmm. Run a lot of students through our program. We do about nine classes a week. Wow. Um, here in the state of Colorado, and obviously the the times where we're traveling, that gets included with with that. But yeah, roughly about nine classes a week. We average currently um, anywhere between twenty and thirty students a class. Wow. Uh, so still, still, still going strong after. Um, the, that approach of two decades—I'm just rounding up to twenty. Yeah, <laughs> that's
0: that's impressive. So, Edgar, if people want to find you, sign up for one of your classes and follow your work. How would they go about doing that?
3: So, uh, pdntrainingtour.com. There's links to to our website there, the classes that we're providing for the tour, pdntrainingtour.com or gunsforeveryone.com.
0: Awesome. Well, you're providing a wonderful service, and I appreciate you doing that. And I'm from Colorado, like, originally, but so I'll have to look you up next time I'm out there to see my dad awesome all right look forward to it all right man take care and god bless all right and if you're hearing this and you don't have your gun license we have regularly scheduled ltc classes here in massachusetts so uh including ladies only and couples classes sign up at capegunworks.com and we will be back after this you're listening to rapid fire
2: Personal Defense Network. For years, we've been the internet's leading destination for high-quality information on equipment, training, and your preparation for personal or home defense. Our videos are meant for those who are serious about enhancing their ability to use efficient techniques to survive a dynamic critical incident. But now we've stepped things up even higher. We've added hours of high quality training videos just for our premium members. This content takes the body of work that is the Personal Offense Network up to an even higher level. Our goal with the Personal Defense Network is simple, provide you with the highest quality video learning tips that are available. You'll find them inside of the premium membership. All you have to do is choose how to get started and I'll see you on the inside.
0: Welcome back to Rapid Fire, your weekly show all things guns, freedom, Second Amendment, and self-defense. And speaking of guns, I'm going to talk quickly about the gun of the week this week. So we do this segment every year, every uh, week, and I'm pretty excited about this week's gun of the week. It's the Sig 322 pistol, and it's fully ambidextrous, slide stop, safety, and the mag release is. You can put it on the right side of the gun as well. So for all of you wrong-handed people, this gun is a natural winner for you. But the other thing that I really like about this gun is the size. It's more of a full-size 22, so for people looking for a good sub-caliber training gun, there's not a lot of options. In fact, it's, I think, maybe one or two other options in Massachusetts. Um, but this gun is... Proven to be a great gun, we use these exclusively in our training classes, uh, and our all of our firearms instructors have the uh, a whole bunch of these to use for you know group classes, et cetera, et cetera. So, really big fan of this gun. I think Sig did it right, knocked it out of the park, and easy gun to take down. Probably one of the easiest gun to take apart. Uh, it literally just. Lifts off the frame, and the even the recoil spring is completely captured, so you don't have sling uh, springs flying all over the place. But anyway, it's a cheap and cheerful gun, and it's this week's gun of the week. So go over to uh, RapidFireRadio.us, scroll down to Gun of the Week, click on it, and use GOW at checkout if you want a special on that gun. I uh, would love to help you get into one. So anyway. Um, Thanks to Edgar. I've been wanting to get in touch with him for a long time, and uh, that that is an impressive service. g says that they say 10% of all the CCWs in Colorado are from Guns for Everyone, and we're free. So that's a pretty amazing, It's almost it's more like a ministry than a service because he doesn't charge for it. It's like his mission in life, if you will. So I think that's great, and I love what he's doing. Uh, He does a lot of bilingual classes in Colorado as well, now going to Mexico. That's amazing. Um, So that's pretty cool. Um, Real quick, we're going to jump back on the chat. Uh, Mike says, I think they're saying they don't care what the Supreme Court has to say. We will do what we want, and the Supreme Court be damned. Yeah, that is certainly what it seems like um, because – so many states are just in open defiance of the Bruin uh, decision and you know they're doubling down on that effort and trying to get real sneaky about it. I actually listened to the explanation of this state, which removed the may issue and made it shall issue. However, the police chiefs associations say that they still have subjective discretion, which is amazing to me. When Bruin basically said, no, you don't, they're saying we have this suitability clause. So if a chief thinks you're unsuitable to own a firearm, even if you could pass a background check, guess what? You're not getting the firearm. And I know people who've been victim of this. They're good people. And, you know, they live with other people who've been and the police have been called out and dispatched to that house and my friend was actually denied a license to carry based on where he lives just because police have been dispatched to that house in the past it had nothing to do with him but because of that they said you're not getting it so that's really what happens when you give this loose definition and subjectivity to a licensing authority or licensing agency um, which we're going to talk a lot about in the second hour you don't want to miss that whole conversation but Um, basically that's really what it, what it means. So, um, yeah, uh, Rob, we don't have any pre ban mags in stock as of yet, but they are in the mail. So they are, they will be, um, coming in any minute really. And, uh, skilled says, I usually spend all my remaining cash on pre bans every time I get a rifle. That's good policy. Um, so I have a bunch coming in and, uh, we will be, uh, be doing that we'll be getting them shortly so that's exciting so um real quick before uh I continue on the on the chat here I wrote an article and I will be honest I used AI to help me with it although it it was it's let's let's say it's heavily redacted <laughs> because AI still has a propensity to way towards gun control so uh, i actually it was more of a curiosity thing that i wanted to see how it would would respond and of course it didn't disappoint it it really weighed towards government overreach but anyway here goes ready i'm going to read it to you real quick title of it is and that's the subject to change before i publish it but i'm trying it out on you guys today can you trust your government the United States government has been cracking down on illegal gun sales with increasing vigor in recent years. Yeah, right. From our f- operation Fast and Furious to storefront operations in Milwaukee, Pensacola, Portland, uh, and Wichita, the government is going to great lengths to entrap citizens who are attempting to purchase firearms illegally or entice to make a quick decision, uh, sc- excuse me, a quick buck by these G men. In 2018, the Government Accountability Office, GAO, released a report which revealed that 72 attempts were made to illegally purchase guns online across state lines. That's actually not true. i got to edit this. Uh, There were 72 attempts by the government to sell guns across state lines. The GAO report highlighted instances where the agents persistently pursued transactions even when sellers expressed hesitation or reluctance. Just to give you a quick backstory on this, they were basically saying, hey, we can't pass a background check, but we want to buy your gun. Will you sell to me? And they're like, ah, no. And they'd call them, you know, multiple, multiple times kind of urging them or if it was across state lines or something like this. goes on, uh, I go on to say this approach blurs the line between law enforcement and entrapment. Potentially infringing upon citizens' rights, critics argue that these tactics undermine the principles of due process and entrap innocent individuals who may have uh, engaged in illegal activity, who may not have engaged in illegal activities otherwise, a la Ruby Ridge. Um, more on that another time. But one of the most infamous cases of the uh, government trying to entrap citizens. Uh, or lawful gun dealers in illegal gun sales is Operation Fast and Furious. This operation was conducted by the BATF uh, between 2006 and 2011, and the stated goal of the operation was to track down the flow of guns from the United States to Mexico, where they're being used by drug cartels. However, it seems the ATF was more interested in pinning the blame on cooperative gun dealers. If you want more on that, read Operation Wide Receiver by Mike Deddy. We had him on the show a a while back, and uh, you can even go into the archive and hear his whole story. It's an amazing story. The ATF directed gun dealers to sell firearms to suspected straw purchasers who would then transport the guns across the border to Mexico. They told the dealers, who were confidential informants, that the guns would eventually end up in the hands of drug cartel members who would then be arrested. They also told one dealer, Mike Deddy operation-wide receiver, that the Mexican government was involved and aware of the operation. This later to proved to be a lie and was used to put his mind at ease during the whole confidential informant process. However, the operation went horribly wrong and over 2,000 firearms were lost or unaccounted for. Many of these guns have been linked to crimes committed in Mexico and some even found at crime scenes in the United States. One of the guns was used to murder Border Patrol agent Brian Terry. The operation was widely criticized, and several high-ranking officials at the ATF were forced to resign. Guns are still in the wild to this day, and the ATF's incompetence allowed them to disappear into the most violent of the Mexican drug cartels. Some were recovered even at the arrest of El Chapo. More recently, the government has been using storefront operations to entrap citizens in illegal gun sales. These operations involve setting up fake storefronts that appear to buy and sell firearms illegally. When a potential customer comes in and attempts to purchase a gun illegally, they're arrested. These operations have been conducted in several cities across the country, including Milwaukee, Pensacola, Portland, St. Louis, and Wichita, In some cases, the government has gone to great lengths to make the storefronts appear legitimate, even going so far as to hire actors to play the roles of gun dealers. While these operations have been successful in capturing low-level individuals attempting to purchase guns illegally, they have fallen short of taking down larger gang or career criminals. Uh, The sting operations have also been criticized for entrapment. Entrapment is a legal term that refers to when law enforcement officers induce someone to commit a crime. That, when, that they otherwise would not have committed. The ATF has a history of using very low IQ, mentally challenged individuals to go out on the street to promote the fake storefronts. At least two of these individuals served time for their involvement. One mentally challenged person even got a tattoo of the fake storefront, fearless distribution tattooed on his neck to help promote his friend's business. And I say his friends because that was what he really thought. Now, both of these men had IQs between 50 and 52 or something like that, which is very low. It's about half the average person uh, IQ. The Milwaukee Journal Sentinel investigation by John Dietrich uh, and Raquel Rutledge revealed that as part of the fearless distributing operation in Milwaukee, ATF agents had three of their guns stolen, including a machine gun, allowed armed felons to leave the store, Arrested four of the wrong people and paid so much for guns that people bought them from stores and quickly sold the guns to agents for profit. In conclude, well, so so what happened was people were going to Gander Mountain up the road, legally purchasing guns and bringing them to these storefronts and getting double what they paid at the gun store. So it it, it was a total. Uh, cluster bomb from the start in conclusion the government is going to great lengths to entrap citizens from operation fast and furious to storefront operations the government is using a variety of tactics that often lead to a rise in local crime the net result of these schemes often cause a spike in crime guns to fall into the hands of criminals and trip up people who would not normally engage in criminal activity without this government coercion Often these crimes are victimless crimes, and those left victimized are the communities, the U.S. taxpayer, and even a few mentally challenged people. So I haven't published that yet, but um, I'm trying it out on you here. Uh, Go ahead and comment in the chat, whatever you want, uh, about that, but that's, uh, that's the way I see it. That's what government's been up to lately. There's also been cases we've talked about uh, the Mejia case down in Florida, where the guy put a stock on his pistol and got charged with an illegal um, manufacture of an SBR and didn't pay the $200 tax stamp, and he's going to federal prison for 21 months. And uh, so it's always in at the threat of government incarceration in government cages that they are able to get people to comply with their often unconstitutional. Uh, schemes and and uh rules and there's a lot to be said about that we're going to probably have a whole bunch of talk on the rule change thing that the atf is so uh good at doing and the biggest one coming down the pipeline right now is the whole pistol brace rule which is about to uh blow up at the first of june so that'll make a uh, millions of people felons overnight and uh I'm sure they'll be threatening to put them in government cages if they do not comply and they, you either have to surrender or destroy or get rid of articles and items you you purchased completely, lawfully and legally, even at the suggestion of the ATF. They gave you a letter once upon a time saying that it was lawful and legal to purchase this and now they've changed their mind and are threatening to make you a felon And uh, if you do not comply with their latest scheme. So that's what we got going on um, uh, coming down the pipeline from these bureaucratic agencies. And uh, I want to thank everyone for paying attention to the first hour of the show. Uh, Remember, the show ends here, but it goes on for another hour. So tune in at rapidfireradio.us or call or text the Rapid Fire line 508 444 2120 Go to rapidfireradio.us and ask questions. Check out some of our online content. And remember, freedom will always be on the right side of history. So stay tuned. We'll see you next time, and we'll see you on the other side. We have Mr. Bear Arms. It's going to be an exciting talk. You don't want to miss out. And we will be right back. More after this.
3: it can tear up a family.
2: He said he was tried in the court of public opinion before he ever stepped foot in a courtroom, but surveillance video helped shed light on what actually happened. Fifty-year-old Ford employee Billy Cowart was charged with attempted murder for shooting his gun in the United Auto Workers 551 parking lot in June 2016.
3: To have everything he worked for taken away.
2: Cowart was suspended and then terminated from his job with Ford where he'd worked for nearly two decades.
3: To have somebody have your back and have a company that have your back and then they put me in touch with a great
0: attorney. That was the best feeling. Go to uscca.com to learn more about protecting yourself and your family. Alexander Hamilton said, Those who stand for nothing will fall for anything. This is Toby from Cape Gunworks. When our founding fathers drafted the Second Amendment, there was no question of its meaning. Today, if you have questions, come to Cape Gunworks for some advice, training, or to send a few rounds downrange. We have a fully stocked pro shop with a huge selection of guns, crossbows, archery, classes, rentals, a 15-lane range, and a friendly staff. Come on down to Cape Gunworks Airport Road Hyannis or capegunworks.com.
2: For quite a long time duck hunters have been shooting steel but in the past few years you've really seen a resurgence of a material called bismuth and what bismuth is it's got a density a lot closer to lead than steel where where steel's density is right around 7.8 or so and lead's right around 11 grams per cc bismuth comes in about 9.6 so just to kind of lay it out for you if you've got two objects flying at the same speed the one that is denser at the same speed is gonna hit a lot harder. So a great example is like how we're hunting today. We're out, we're out here on the, we're literally hunting a bay on the ocean. Fantastic spot. Oh. But the wind's coming in pretty hard. Normally shooting the size ducks like the Eurasian Wisions and Teals that we're shooting at today, I would probably choose to shoot like a, a number four steel. But because the wind's higher, I would maybe go to a number two because I'd get more energy and let the, let the steel carry further. Bismuth allows you to go one shot size smaller and still hit the bird just as hard as you would. Now what that allows you to do, we're shooting a number three shot today. So we're getting all the pellets of a number three load, but we're getting all the energy of a number two steel shot so it's gonna hit harder it's really gonna extend your range still meets all the lead free requirements everywhere you are just a great product and you'll definitely notice the power that you hit the birds with another thing with the federal premium heavy bismuth is we're shooting the flight control wad so you can choke that with any choke you want whether that's ported or not getting incredibly tight patterns again more pellets on the bird just hits them hard
0: Welcome to Rapid Fire, a 2 a talk radio show sponsored by Vortex Optics and the USCCA. Tune in each and every week at rapidfireradio.us to join the conversation. And now you can call or text the Rapid Fire line, 508-444-2120. That's 508-444-2120. And you can like us and subscribe on all of our, uh, wherever you find your social media. Our handle is at Cape Gunworks and at Rapid Fire Radio. Uh, we'd love to have you like, subscribe, comment, and share all of our content there. That'll help defeat the evil algorithm that keeps good content all the way at the bottom or unobtain, uh, un- unable to be found at all. So uh, please help us with that. If you're not liking and subscribing our content, please do. It's at Rapid Fire Radio and at Cape Gunworks. I'm really happy to have on the line with us right now Mr. Bear Arms. How are you today? Oh uh, we go thanks, ahead. Thanks.
4: Yes, I Great. can hear you. All right. I'm well.
0: you. Great. And I had you on uh the Howie Carr show last week when I was sitting in for Howie and uh we had a you had a really good story to tell. And um I heard you when I was on the panel in Greenfield um that the state listening tour is doing uh the state's doing this listening tour where they're going around and basically talking about guns and gun control, et cetera. And uh, I heard you speak there, and I, I found it interesting what you were saying, and uh, so you've since since sent me some stuff, and uh, you you talk a lot about um, the state licensing scheme and whatnot, and how uh, how it pertains or applies to us, or or should or shouldn't apply to us, and uh, you also filed a um, document for declaratory judgment in in uh, the Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts, so. I wanted to give you some time to talk about that and, um, and go ahead and uh, tell okay. everyone what it is you do.
4: Okay. Well, thank you for having me, sir. Uh, it's been a pleasure every time. Uh, I'd like to start off with uh, a very simple paradox that I've always dealt with, and I'm sure you have as well. You know that we have the right to keep and bear arms. Mm-hmm. That's That shall not be infringed. It's black and white law. Right on the other hand, you also know that you have to have a license in order to carry a firearm. Mm. So that, there's a paradox there if you, if you just look at the situation. How could you have a right to bear arms on one hand, and then on the other hand, you have to get a license to carry a firearm? Well, it turns out that the license to carry firearms is a professional license, and that is why it's possible that those two things can be uh, both true statements. Um, now, we know it's a professional license from several observations, but I'll also get into the law in a, in a little bit. But let's, let's, uh, let's think about other professional licenses that people have. Let's say you're a doctor, right, and you're treating people in New Hampshire. Let's say you're, you're a family doctor, you treat people in New Hampshire. But the moment you cross the state line into Massachusetts, and you do exactly the same thing, but instead of doing it in New Hampshire, you're doing it in Massachusetts – you become a criminal for not having a license, right? It's called the practice of license without, um, or rather, medicine without a license. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's one thing. Now, we also know that in order to get a license to carry in Massachusetts, you need to do one of three things, actually, three things at the very least. The first is you have to undergo a background check, and the second is you have to get your fingers printed, your fingerprints. And the third is you have to pay a $100 fee to the licensing authority. Now, if you look at the law very carefully, you'll see that the background check is imposed at 803 Code of Massachusetts Regulations, or CMR 2.01, and the purpose and scope is for the evaluation of applicants for employment, volunteer opportunities, or professional licensing. So that's your second clue that a license to carry is a professional license and may not apply to you, all right? And the third and the third clue is about the fingerprinting, which that one is found at uh, Mass General Laws Chapter 6 172 B as and Bravo .5. And it and it's a requirement that requires applicants for licenses in specified occupations to submit a full set of fingerprints. So, again, applicants for licenses in specified occupations. That's not the average man or woman keeping and bearing arms under the Constitution.
3: Mm.
4: And then the third uh, requirement is that you have to pay a $100 fee. And that $100 fee goes to what's known as a licensing authority. So, in in law, these these are terms of art, and they're specifically defined... So you have to look them up. And when you look up the term licensing authority, it's defined at Mass Journal Laws, uh, Chapter 6, 172N, as in November, Section 172N, as in November. And a licensing authority is one with the authority to impose occupational fees or licensing requirements on a profession. So that, those are, the, those are the, the facts and the law. And those are the things that allow me to uh, not just infer, but to see clearly and convincingly that the license to carry is a professional license. Um, if you want to take the opposite of that, what about, the, what about uh, activities that we don't need a license for? I want to I start with, with the fact that the government has left you remedy. Even though they have licensed firearms in your possession of them, I want you to refer to uh, Mass General Laws uh, sixty-two C as in Caesar or Charlie fifty-five um, A, and in Mass General Laws sixty-two C fifty-five A, that's where the taxpayer can come to your house and levy your property if you fail to pay your taxes, and when they do. They can take everything that you own except they can't take your, your books and your tools for your trade, and they cannot take any of your food, your fuel, your provisions, and your personal effects in your household and of the arms for personal use, livestock and poultry of the taxpayer. Hmm. Did you hear that? Yeah. Arms for personal use, livestock and and uh, and poultry of the taxpayer.
0: And that's if a mass might,
4: general law? That's a mass that's, general law. Again, that's General Law 62
0: Oh, no, we lost him. There he is. He's back. Sorry about
4: that. I pressed the wrong button. (laughs) But but 62C, as in Charlie, 55A. Okay. Um, Similarly, there's another law at Mass General Laws, Chapter 60, Section 24. And in that law, it's the same thing. They can come and seize your goods, except, and I quote, except, tools or implements necessary for your trade, beasts of the plow for your cultivation of improved land, military arms, uniforms, and equipment, utensils for household keeping, and bedding and apparel necessary for yourself and your, and your family. Utensils, I mean, these are basically common ho- household items, and they've grouped within that military arms, uniforms, and equipment. Hmm. And that's because we are the militia. And we have to have military arms in order to support our constitutional duty to secure the uh, security of the free state. Right. right? So Mm -hmm. so that's why we have those provisions in our Massachusetts general laws. And if you research those general laws, it goes all the way back to 1786, February 1786. And it's been on the books for that long. You don't Mm -hmm. think the legislature has overlooked it? Of course, they, they know it's there. OK, the district attorney is not going to, um, to show it to you and say, oh, I can't prosecute you because of these these provisions. But if you find it to them for them, they have a difficult time prosecuting you if you show it to them. You see what I mean? Yeah.
0: And um, it's interesting. Yeah, so let me just stop you there for one sec. Sure. It's interesting what you say about that. They can't take your arms when you look at that's like standard operating procedure for this state. Massachusetts, yes. like whether you get uh, you know domestic or red flag accusations, or uh, even a first offense OUI, if you get right. you know um, any type of uh, charge against you that would make you a prohibited person during that um, during the time leading up to your court date, they come knocking on the door before yeah. you know and, and take your guns. You know, I know someone who. Uh, got a- arrested for defending himself with a firearm, never shot, fired a shot, never even pointed it at the bad guy who was ass- mm-hmm. physically assaulting him. The mm-hmm. next day they came and seized all of his guns. And they tore his car apart thinking he still had a gun in the car somewhere and literally took the seats out. I mean, it was the carpet and the seats out of the car. Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. But right there, the verse, chapter and verse you read is that even – if you haven't paid your taxes or something and levy, you know, they can come levy all your goods, but they can't take your arms. So that's an interesting point there. I'll have to, uh, you know, do a little deeper dive into that, but I just didn't want that to go unnoticed. But go ahead. I'm going to let you continue on.
4: Sure. Let me answer the the implied question here is how are they able to do this, right? right? Well, they're able to do it according to your consent. And the way you've consented is you've told them that you either possessed carried or you have a firearm. And those are the three words that they like to use. So let's go to the easy word to to define here. And that's the word uh, carry. Okay, so carry is a very interesting word in that uh, it is not defined anywhere in their statutes. However, the statute for the licensing does say that a license to carry entitles the holder thereof to possess and carry firearms. So you know that the word Um, carry and possess and firearms are entitlements under a statute. Now, the, the legislature actually cannot redefine the word carry because it cannot redefine the words in the Constitution, since it cannot, by legislation, alter the Constitution from which it derives its power to legislate in the first place. And that's a Supreme Court case from Eisner versus McCumber of 1920. And also... The word carry cannot be defined in a dictionary because when words are used in the Constitution, they must be read with a gloss of the experience of those who framed them and would receive the significance of the experience to which they were addressed. And that experience is not to be found in a dictionary. That's another Supreme Court case called the United States versus Rabinovitz, 1950. So because they can't uh, define the word carry, uh, you have to look into the, in the uh, Constitution in order to find its meaning. And again, like I said on the Howie uh, car show, all you have to do is go to the Constitution, press Control F for a word search, and you will find that the word carry means to carry out legal obligations. It means to carry out law into, into effect. It means to carry on the powers and duties of public offices. It means to carry on the new Constitution. Means to carry out the will of the people. And in the United States Constitution, in uh, Article 1, Section 8, Clause 18, it says Congress shall have the power to make all laws for carrying out into execution the foregoing powers. So, carry is a very specific legal term of art. Mm. And if you tell the police officer that you're carrying, that is an entitlement for which you must have a license. But there's no such thing as a license to bear arms. It simply doesn't exist. Mm.
0: Um, Yeah. So, what are the implications of us who've applied for a license to carry then and been granted one? Uh, Are there? um, Does that mean we've signed away our right to bear arms in a in a sense? Or does that? um, I think you explained it once that the license to carry is over and above what is already constitutionally protected, correct? Right, it is so first of all we
4: know that the license to carry is an entitlement and an entitlement is that which you have above and beyond what you already have as your native and primary rights uh, as an American Mm -hmm. so it's an entitlement to carry and by the way carry means and kind of didn't finish that latter, latter part but carry means the performance of a duty to serve the public. In fact, it means to perform the duty to serve the public safety and security. That's why public safety and security officers have to get a license to carry because they're in the profession of public safety and security. Now, to back to your question about what what happens when you accept a license. Well, uh, I'll refer you to WW Cargo, uh, Cargill versus Minnesota. That's a 1901 Supreme Court decision. And in that one, it says the mere requirement of a license to engage in the business specified in the statute is is referable to the general power of the state to adopt such regulations where appropriate to protect the people and the enjoyment of their rights and privileges. OK, but accepting a license in whatever form will not require the licensee to respect or to comply with any provision of the statute or with any regulations prescribed by the state. Uh, That are repugnant to the Constitution of the United States. So what that means is um, if I have a doctor's license or if I have a dental license, I can perform surgery, I can suture, I can set bones, I can pull teeth for other people. But that does not take away my right to pull my own tooth, suture my own injuries, set my own bone, and take care of myself. You see Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So accepting that license
0: does not take away your rights. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And you know what? Getting back to what you teed up originally was something that I felt in my own person when I was 18 and I went to apply for my license to carry. I was like, why am I jumping through all these hoops in order to exercise my right to keep and bear arms. Like, yeah. what gives them the right to do this to me? I don't... I, I felt so violated by it's the whole paradox. process. I paid money. I took a class. I went down, got fingerprinted, photographed, had an interview with the deputy chief, all this stuff just to tell him I want to be able to go pi- purchase a gun. And right. I'm like, what in God's name is going on here? This is not right. Like, I don't right. have to do this to vote. I don't have to do this to uh go to church i don't have to do this to um you know speak at my school i don't have to do this to uh read the newspaper i don't have to do this to prevent the police from an unwarranted search and seizure of my house i don't have to do this if i want to keep silent uh, if i'm you know questioned by police right. i don't have to do this for any other enumerated constitutional right right what exactly. the heck so go ahead i'm sorry to no, no, this brings up a great point. The, the fact,
4: first of all, you're a thinking man. You're like, why is there this paradox, right? And, and I think we've all lived that moment. It's like, what, yeah. what are we doing and why are we doing it, right? Well, it actually comes uh, from, a lawful, uh, from a lawful set of circumstances. And I'd like to refer you to two Supreme Court decisions, okay? So the, the licensing statute, in fact, all statutes, Statutes are acts authorizing the making of contracts with the government through its various officers and departments. That's, that's in the Floyd acceptances, an 1869, or rather 1868 Supreme Court uh, decision. And the second one is that, in general, a statute is treated as a contract when the language and circumstances, events, and a legislative intent to create private rights of a contractual nature enforceable against the state See so United States Trust Co. versus New Jersey, a nineteen seventy seven case, and what you're seeing here is that you are contracting into a profession, and by contracting into a profession, you must follow all the 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 laws of that profession, and that means you know uh, a restriction on your ammunition capacity a restriction on the type of guns you can have a restriction on what year uh, your gun was made whether it's before or after the ban and all that other stuff those are all contractual uh, relations that that you that you um, that you get that you take on the burden of once you sign the contract mm. um, but again back to Cargill uh, those things should not be inf- should not the acceptance of a license should not uh, require you to comply with those uh, those uh, provisions which are repugnant to the Constitution. Um, yeah, so I'll just uh, let you ask away whatever other question you yeah, like. Yeah,
0: so, all right, so let's fast forward. You're going to get a lot of critics that say, hey, citing 18th century law, you know, loses a lot of people right they're gonna yeah. say hey that doesn't apply or uh, whether I think that or not is irrelevant but the courts have decades of uh, legal jurisprudence or legal settled case law of locking people away for n- not being licensed in um, you know in possession if you will and uh I always found it very ironic because the whole machine gun um, license that I, I possess, um, they've construed the machine gun license to be the strictest definition of possession, whereas I think a typical legal uh, definition of possession is that you can lawfully and legally take it home. But if I hand a machine gun to somebody and they are looking at it, the state is now saying they are in possession, but they can't lawfully and legally take that home because it's my gun, number one, and number two, they're not licensed to possess it or whatever. So the state has kind of changed the way they interpret possession under the most strictest definition of it, and so I tried to do a deep dive on possession one day, and I went to the you know chapter one forty section one thirty one under the definitions or whatever and and guess what wasn't in the definitions the word it's possession not. I'm like why why is that not in the in the definitions It's so- the
4: same same reason as why the word carry is not in the is not in the uh, dictionary or in the statute you know Yeah, uh, it's not defined by the legislature, but again it is implicitly a a uh, entitlement. Because the licensing statute says, again, a license shall entitle a holder thereof to purchase, rent, lease, borrow, possess, and carry a firearm. And in this case, the interpretive principle is um, uh, described under Third National Bank of Nashville uh, versus Impact, Inc., in 1977 case. And that is... Um, Statutory construction of words that are grouped in a list should be given related meanings. The related meaning common to all these terms are they are entitled uh, business or professional activities. That is, to purchase, to rent, to lease, to borrow, and carry are all entitled activities. And those who rent, lease, borrow, and carry necessarily possess, but whereas carriers uh, carry in the performance of duties for a reward or hire, and renters, leasees, and borrowers ordinarily vacate or relinquish or return the property they are entitled to by contract to possess, they do not ordinarily have a constitutional right to keep the item or property they carry, rent, lease, or borrow. Thus the entitlement to to, uh, possess a firearm is conduct incidental to the performance of a duty or a business but it's not the same thing as the right to keep arms as secured by the constitution. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. It's a little bit uh, tricky to understand that, but that's what I've come for uh, as far as my own research goes. Yeah,
0: And um, so this has brought you to basically filing a, a preliminary, a declar- declaratory judgment with the Supreme Judicial Court of Massachusetts in the, uh, I guess it would be the Suffolk County. Yeah. Um, and uh, so you're you're seeking declaratory judgment on this whole issue, right? And you cite a lot of the case law that you're referring to right. correctly.
4: And basically, I want to uh, there, there are a lot of legal concepts there that, that may be covered, but one of them is the idea of regulation. Now, if you look around uh, to find the definition of regulation, you have to go to the statute. And a regulation is defined in the statute at, at uh, Mass General Laws 30A, Section 1. Um, Mass General Laws, uh, let me just do that, 30A, Section 1. And it and it says that a, that a regulation is uh, basically a rule um, that is adopted by an agency to implement or to interpret the law enforced or administered by it. So now, the fact that the administration of the law is by an agency means that we are dealing with a commercial subject matter that an agency can regulate. For example, the medical board regulates the practice of medicine. The dental board regulates the practice of dentistry. The, the plumbing and, uh, and pipe fitter, pipe fitting board, they regulate you know uh, plumbers, right? And the electrical board and, and so forth and so on. So this board, it's called the Executive Office of Public Safety and Security. They regulate, guess what? Public safety and security. That means the carrying of, of firearms by per- persons in the performance of their duties. What they cannot regulate, however, is they cannot regulate what you do under the Constitution for yourself. In other words, bearing arms for personal use. Mm-hmm. And uh, last year, actually, um, last year there was a case called West Virginia versus EPA, yep. uh, in which the in, in which the Supreme Court basically said, in order for an agency. Um, to extend their powers beyond what is obviously given to them by um, the legislature, they have, to, they have to point to clear and convincing um, congressional authorization for the power it claims. So in other words, for sure, the Executive Office of Public Safety can license carrying firearms in the performance of duty by professionals. Now, the question is, can they license the bearing of arms for personal use by american civilians and others and citizens and the answer is clearly no it doesn't exist you see what i mean
0: yeah i do i want to hold that thought right there we're going to take a quick break we'll be back on the other side we're going to continue this conversation so don't go away we're here with professor Bear arms i'm going to call you (laughs) on rapid fire your weekly 2a talk radio show where you can call in or text. If you have a question, let me know. I'll ask it. Or you can call in or text 508-444-2120. And uh, we will be right back with Bear Arms after this. personal protection has never been more popular than it is today the uscca can help fortify your home sharpen your awareness and develop your defensive plan go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up your family's safety and security is your responsibility. Go to uscca.co forward slash rapid fire to sign up for a USCCA membership and get special training, legal advice, and legal protection you and your family need. Vortex offers the very best optics specifically made for shooters with rugged construction designed for extreme environments. Vortex Optics build quality ensures accurate, reliable, and repeatable performance every time you squeeze the trigger. Add fully multi-coated lenses and nitrogen purging, and you have a quality optic with an extremely reasonable price tag. That is the Vortex difference. Come into Cape Gunworks to see the full line of Vortex Optics today.
1: You work too hard to leave shots like these to chance. Now you never have to compromise performance again. Federal premium heavy bismuth hits ducks and upland birds with 9.6 gram per cubic centimeter pellets sourced from heavy shot. 22% denser than steel. More energy downrange. Launched by the flight control wad, heavy bismuth patterns consistently and is safe in all shotguns. Loaded in the USA by Federal Ammunition.
0: Welcome back to Rapid Fire. We're here with Professor Bear Arms, as I'm going to affectionately call him. And uh, we're having a fascinating conversation about the difference between licensing to carry arms, which uh, he's making a very good, compelling argument that that is a professional license for people carrying out their official capacity of whatever they've been tasked to do by we the people. And it's outside and over and above what is personally guaranteed by the Constitution, the right to keep and bear arms. And uh, so let me just ask you this. I think you make a very compelling case. And uh, There's another guy, a fellow that emails me all the time, and I actually put you two together, um, but he, he used to send me these emails about like kind of one or two sentences and I honestly kind of thought he was just a little bit of a live wire. And I, I said, you know what, this all sounds great on paper, but good luck, you know. And I would kind of dismiss him. But then I started to really research what he was talking about. And I think he was on to something. And he's on to something. And he knows a lot about the law, more than I ever did. And he's been researching it for 50 years. And so um, when, when I heard you speak in Greenfield, I it kind of resonated a little bit about, A, what I already felt in my Heart about the the infringement on the con on the right to keep and bear arms, and two, um, y- you make some great points, especially using uh, Supreme Court decisions. Uh, one that we talk about a lot on this show called Murdoch v. Pennsylvania, nineteen forty three, and there's a couple other ones th- that you brought to my attention that I didn't even know about. One of which um, is about the that the state or you can't vote away your rights. Basically I'm paraphrasing it and boiling it down. Why don't you talk about some of those cases, the Supreme court cases that support what you're saying here, like Murdoch, Pennsylvania and stuff.
4: Okay. Yeah. So let me, um, let me go to that. Um, so the one that you're, you're referring to is the West Virginia state board of education versus Barnett. And it's actually the same year, 1943 as the case with, uh, murdoch versus pennsylvania Mm -hmm. and in west virginia board of education versus barnett they state that the very purpose of the bill of rights was to withdraw certain subjects from the vicissitudes of political controversy to place them beyond the reach of majorities and officials and to establish them as legal principles to be applied to applied by the courts one's right to life liberty and property to free speech a, a free press freedom of worship and assembly and other Fundamental rights may not be submitted to a vote and they depend on the outcome of no elections. Mm. That, that's a very powerful uh, a quote. Um, yeah. And it basically says when you have a right and you're exercising your right in a lawful and constitutionally sanctioned manner, no one can take that right away from you.
0: Mm. You know? Um, and that he- vote, that vote that, sorry to interrupt, but uh, may not be submitted to vote. That can mean by the people on, like, say, a ballot initiative, or yeah. or a legislature in the course of their that kind of is all encompassing, correct? Yeah,
4: yeah. It means it's it can't be legislated, mm. uh, and, and and that's you know, in Miranda versus Arizona. Okay, there's a the people people know that one for the for the um, the the one that they have to read you your rights, right? but um the for what i know know it for is that the statement where it goes where rights secured by the constitution are involved there can be no rulemaking or legislation which would abrogate them yeah uh meaning the you can't vote on them you can't legislate them it just simply can't be touched right you know
0: yeah and, and uh i think even in the preamble of the constitution it talks about that these rights are endowed by our creator and they're inalienable or unalienable Right, you cannot right. attach a lien to them you can't put right. conditions on them you can't correct put um, requirements outside and above what the very right that they are recognizing because number one it doesn't come from man number two um, you know it's what is a right if it can be taken away Right? right i mean that doesn't make sense it's not a right it's a privilege right. it's, or it's yeah, a, yeah. Right. if you can
4: license it it's not a right yeah and and that that's the thing is that people people um think that getting an ltc is exercising a right it, in fact it's not and people think that the legislature we have gun laws we we don't have gun laws we do not have any laws banning the banning the keeping and bearing of arms all we have are laws that restrict what professionals can do with their guns in their service to the public, to us and and that's very clearly um, you know, again, it's a professional license very clearly very very clearly stated. Um, I want st- to take one step towards um, how they actually use these laws and then break the constitutional provisions um, in order to prosecute someone. Mm-hmm. Um, so first of all, We know that these laws are professional laws, and as late as last year, okay, 2022, the Supreme Court of Massachusetts in Vega versus uh, Commonwealth says, in the context of a statutory analysis, the unlicensed possession of a firearm itself is a regulatory crime. Remember what I said about regulations? A regulatory crime is one that is... um, enforced by regulatory agencies. So, for example, if you're practicing medicine without a license, it's not the county prosecutor who should prosecute you. It's the medical board who should prosecute you. Isn't that right? I mean, if you do something stupid with your professional license, it's the professional board that comes after you. That is an executive branch of government. Okay. Now, because they're not sending the executive office of public safety and security after those who are, uh, are accused of carrying a, a firearm without a license, guess what they're doing? They are actually breaking um, the law, and they're breaking two of the laws, in fact, uh, uh, several. First law they're breaking is that uh, Mass General Laws 30A Section 1. It says an agency that is uh, authorized by law to make regulations... Um, um, has to determine at its discretion whether the agency shall institute or recommend institution of proceedings in a court, right? That means the agency has to say, okay, this guy is screwed up. We are going to take him to court,
1: Mm.
4: right? That's the, that's the injured party, so to speak. That's the pro that's the party of real concern. Um, you, the, the county prosecutor has no victim if that regulatory board does not institute uh, proceedings in a court. And then further, under Chapter 3, or rather 231A, Section 8, the law requires that in any proceeding which involves the validity of a license granted by the Commonwealth, that the regulatory agency shall be made a party and shall be entitled to be heard. That's black and white Statutory law it says right there so if you're being prosecuted for an unlicensed gun, guess who has to be there The executive office of Public Safety and security just like if you're being prosecuted for unlicensed practice of medicine, who has to be there? the medical board right and who is not there in, in, in the vast majority in all the cases that people are being prosecuted for the alleged unli- unlicensed uh, possession of a firearm. The, the, the Executive Board of Public Safety and Security is not there, which means what they're doing is they're violating Article 30 and Article 29 of our Massachusetts Constitution, which requires a separation of, of judicial and executive branches, right? Yeah. It's a separation of powers doctrine. And it's also uh, that, that separation of powers doctrine is necessary for the independence and impartiality of the judges, because if you don't have separation of powers and then, and your judges are acting as uh, executive officers, then they're not impartial. See what I mean? So, so they're breaking another two more constitutional principles there in addition to the statutory laws.
0: Yeah. You yeah. know what I found always in, very interesting? And we've talked about it on the show, and I know other states are the same way, but uh, that Executive Office of Public Safety uh, services, the Department of Criminal Justice Information Services as well. And that's actually the branch under EOPs that, yes. that controls the Firearms Record Bureau. Right. And I have always said, why Why would anything illegal and lawful possessor of firearms or of arms, if you want to say it that way, what does that have to do with the Department of Criminal Justice Information Services? nothing. (laughs) Right. It doesn't have anything to do with it whatsoever. And so along with the whole, when I was 18 years old and tried to exercise my right to keep and bear arms and was met with the minutia that we talked about earlier, the same thought occurred to me, why on God's green earth is the Department of Criminal Justice Information Service the one that is tasked with keeping my license to carry information? And I always felt like it was just because one day if they ever do truly outlaw firearms through law, it's a flip of a switch and I'm in the system. (laughs) You know, it's like they already know who I am. I'm in the system. And it's not – it doesn't make sense to me that – and I've long said like Florida – before they went to permitless carry, it was under the Department of Agriculture that administered the licenses. And I felt at least that made a little bit more sense, like it's not some agency that keeps track of criminals mm-hmm. and administers the Bureau of Prisons, et cetera. So uh, I was like, all right, at least it's a different regulatory agency that isn't, has nothing to do with the criminal element but then right. it, it, it leads you back to the intentions of or the, the mindset of the people writing the law in the first place. They feel we're one, we're one slip on a banana peel away from being criminals. And right. So- well,
4: they, they're, they're writing it, those laws to deceive us. You know, it's it's duplicity. It's omission, uh, a lie by omission. They say you need a license to carry, but they omit the part that says carry means the performance of duties for hire in the public safety and uh, security. Yeah. You know, And then when they put you in a court, uh, they, they call it a court, but really it's an administrative uh, matter without the administrator actually being there, which means, again, they're violating another, another uh, substantial right, which is the right guaranteed by Article 11 of our Constitution for a case to be decided by a judge – performing a judicial duty in a judicial manner to be distinguished from a regulatory officer performing an executive duty in the manner of a adjudicatory proceeding, because our law insists that access to the courts guaranteed by article 11 requires all cases to be adjudicated or by uh, decided by a judge. And so that's another, you know, thing that they're, they're violating. So, um, so, I mean, the, the rabbit hole goes even deeper when when they pile one lie on top of another. see what I mean?
0: yeah, so let's put it to you know where the rubber meets the road um, what what do you think well number one i i I tend to agree with everything you said, and I'm having a hard time punching holes in what you say uh as far as what I see, but I'm no legal. Scholar, I've never been to law school. I'm a very (laughs) pedestrian-level, you know, layman. But it it certainly makes sense what you're saying. Um, So if, you know, somebody finds themselves in a situation where they're, you know, exercising their right to keep and bear arms, but they're being charged with uh, unlawful possession of a firearm, so to speak, because at some point we the people gave those we elect to represent us um, some power to make laws that are unconstitutional that they can now threaten us with uh, government cages if we don't comply with. So, you know, we're in this, like, vortex. How the heck do we break out of the vortex? Well,
4: there's a couple things. Uh, First of all, I wouldn't be doing this, uh, you know, without a lot of mental preparation i'm in this myself because i don't have a choice and so i had to do some studying all right but one thing you can always uh, rely on maybe not fully but consider doing is something called uh, i mean short of a lawsuit something called a uh, agency um, ruling so in chapter 30a section 8 you can request, as an interested person, that an agency make an advisory r- ruling with respect um, to your rights and, and their license. And that's what I did in, back in 2016. I wrote the Department of, uh, rather, the Executive Office of Public Safety and Security a letter. And I asked them, plain English, you know, what is this license to carry? What is the word carry? What does it mean? And why is it different from my right to keep and bear arms? And also, I asked him, isn't it true that all firearms are arms, although not necessarily all arms are firearms? So if my right is guaranteed under the Constitution to bear arms, then which of those arms do you consider to be firearms, which I cannot bear? You see what I mean? Because it's a statutory term of art that they're working on. And when you establish a record, you send them an email, a fax, a telephone call, a a certified mail. And, and you document, look, I spoke to you guys and you did not tell me what the law is in this regard, then you've set up a record. So if you go to court, then you can at least maybe rely on that as a defense. Mm-hmm. But more importantly, um, as far as what we can do, like each of us can do, um, we can, each of us, um, well, w- with our means, having gone through some studying, and of course, we can all file a 231A action for declaratory judgment. We can file it with this, the, the county superior court, and we ask them those questions. And I'll give you uh, uh, some, some um, basic questions. For example, uh, the license to carry firearms shall entitle a holder thereof to possess and carry firearms. Isn't that a contract with the government? It is. Hmm. If it's a contract with the government for an entitlement, show me the law that is a published law that requires the people to contract with the government in order to obtain an entitlement. Does that make sense? It doesn't. So right there, you know there's no law. Right. I mean, within, within like one flip of a, of a logical switch, we've just proved there is no law because there can be no law that requires you to contract with the government for an entitlement in order to exercise your constitutional rights, okay, and then and then you can go on to the other more um, less esoteric questions, such as, hey, look, your your background check—it says right there, it's for professional licensing. Does it apply to me? Right, you know,
0: so and so forth. That's some practical things we could do. Uh, I, I agree. The one thing that I've found to be extremely interesting. And I've Googled it, I've binged it, of whatever search engine you want to throw into the mix. I have looked for somebody who has challenged state licensing schemes against Murdoch v. Pennsylvania 1943, and I haven't found one.
4: That That's because Murdoch v. Pennsylvania doesn't apply in the courts because... Because none of the statutes actually infringe on our constitutional rights, therefore, Murdoch doesn't really apply.
0: Well, what, it it does apply though, if you think about the way it's being applied to the people of Massachusetts. Applied, right, correct.
4: So, uh, and that that's because you know all laws are to be construed and applied in harmony with, and not to thwart the purpose of the Constitution. That's uh, Perry versus uh, the United States. So not only do they have to be written constitutionally, but they have to be applied constitutionally. And that's where the state um, is going wrong. That's, that's where they're violating our, our laws.
0: Right. So it says here, a state may not impose a charge for the enjoyment of a right granted by the federal constitution. A person cannot be compelled to purchase through a license fee or... Or a license tax, the privilege freely granted by the Constitution. Murdoch v. Pennsylvania.
4: And you're and you're not paying a license tax for a privilege granted by the Constitution. You're paying a a uh, occupational fee required in a profession for the license to carry.
0: And and that's how they get around with it, and then people don't know that. Right, but that's not right. the application of it in this state. Right. I'm not and, and, I'm not applying for a license to carry in order to Carry a gun in the official, or to to have a gun on my body in the performance of my official duties. I'm carrying a gun for. I, let's put it this way: if I don't have the license and I go to Cape Gunworks, my gun store, and I try to buy a gun, I'm going to be refused. Right. And how do I bear an arm if I can't purchase it in the first place? Well, that, so, that
4: goes to the uh, the ghost guns uh, part because you are. You are your own factory. You have to make your own guns. And if you look at Heller, right, uh, Heller versus D.C., uh, that, that particular uh, uh, opinion, if you just word search um, by supplied by themselves, those words, you'll find that the militia, once they were called into service, they had to bring their own arms supplied by themselves. And there, there was no store back in the day. And um, in order to purchase a firearm, that's not a right. The Constitution doesn't guarantee you a right to purchase anything. I it actually you...
0: think it is because I think that uh, it's been proven through – commercial level, it doesn't. But it's been proven through – I think the Supreme Court has said without the uh, without the store who's able to sell it, then you can't bear it. So they do go hand in hand. It is protected – yeah, under, I, I I mean, yeah, I agree.
4: I would tend to agree with that. But the way the the, the, the uh, government interprets the word "purchase," it's a specific commercial uh, transaction for gain that they can regulate under commerce. That's what that's their little excuse. So, you know? no. so you um, think
0: the state knows about that? The application of the current laws is strictly a professional license. And they're getting away with uh, issuing it and saying that they're not violating you, according to Murdoch v. Pennsylvania, because it's a professional license.
4: That's correct. That's because 99% of the people will say, I am carrying a firearm. Mm-hmm. Instead of saying, I'm bearing arms, right? 99.9% of the people out there, if you if you ask them, what are you doing with a gun on your hip? They're saying, I'm carrying They'll say, I'm concealed carrying or, or something like that. And what have they done when they say they carry They have consented. They have given up their constitutional rights because they failed to invoke the terms that are protected by the Constitution, which is only keep, bear, and arms. That's it. Mm. And people, right? Mm. So so the moment they say, I'm carrying, sorry, no rights for you. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah. Interesting. So you don't think that the state is... Ignorant on this, you think that absolutely not.
4: Those judges are sharp, and they know exactly uh, what they're doing. And uh, the government is making, first of all, about sixty million dollars. That's a hundred dollars multiplied by you know six hundred thousand uh, Americans buying gun licenses. There's a whole industry going on uh, that supports this, um, and nobody wants to change the words in their in their day to day use. You know, instead of saying bearing arms which sounds kind of hokey, they say I'm carrying. Hmm. And that's how freedom is lost because once you lose the meaning of words, you've lost your liberties.
0: Yeah. So I'm still hung up on the, a state may not impose a charge for the enjoyment of a right granted by the federal constitution.
4: I I totally agree, but technically they didn't. You see what I'm saying? Technically, they're only licensing those who are in the service of
0: the public safety and
4: security. But, but I want to go not. Back to one question they're, not, that you have.
0: <laughs> they're licensing oh. everyone and if you try to bear arms without it, you're going to be sitting on the wrong side of a jail cell
4: right well we'll see i mean we'll, we'll, that's why we have to that's why we have to struggle and we have to litigate now um, one thing that you asked earlier, what can a guy do mm-hmm. if he wants to bear arms okay well let me suggest this you go to the law right chapter sixty two c fifty five a, just like we had said before and you use the law what you do is you take a little uh, sticker like a little sticker and say arms for personal use Mass General Law 62C 55A and you, uh, and you paste it to every arm that you have that establishes a presumption that it's not a firearm because if it goes to trial what happens? you're going to bring it up and it's Look, it says right there, it's it's an arm for personal use. It's not a firearm under your statute. See what I mean? Mm -hmm. You've established a rebuttable presumption, which is very hard to rebut, by the way, instead of them saying, oh, it's a firearm. Because when they say it's a firearm, you're guilty. You're you're, you're stuck with a burden of disproving something, um, and it's hard to do. Whereas You're guilty
0: you, of agreeing with their definition, but you, it still doesn't change the fact that it's a bearable arm under the Constitution.
4: Correct. And then you will have to have a, a jurors to agree with that. And if I, if I, you or I were sitting on such a jury and the guy didn't do anything wrong, uh, he would be let off 100% of the time and there would be no issue. Right. And that's the other thing that we can do as citizens. We should learn about these laws so that we can... Uh, sit on a jury if if we do sit on a jury, we can just acquit these cases it's like when when back in the day when the the Fugitive Slave Act uh, happened and the southerners wanted us to you know bring back their slaves um, the the slaves would come to a northern jury, and the jury would be like, "This is not a crime go home, be free you know and and, and those laws just disappeared because nobody can enforce them mm.
1: yeah.
4: so if if everybody understood the difference between bearing arms and Carrying a firearm in the performance of duties, then, you know, we wouldn't have these kind of problems. Mm. It would be simple to see who is in violation. Who's the bank robber? Who's the, you know, the drug dealer and the human trafficker and yada yada yada, and and see who's the who's the honest man just hanging out, you know, defending himself.
0: Yeah, and I think you're right in in a large regard that ninety percent of these gun laws that they enforce upon people who aren't the problem are victimless crimes so if you just look at the ones that are actually committing crimes out there and worry about them all the other stuff kind of goes away you don't have to worry about it
4: i was approached by one of the uh participants at at the uh the gun talk things uh last time i was in brockton and he showed me a list of two or three guys who were charged with mandatory sentences who who were, were never acted upon they had their sentences you know suspended or something they never served their time and these are real criminals you know this is a second or third offense for real crime yeah whereas uh you know an ordinary joe let's say some guy from pennsylvania just happens to drive by gets stopped on the highway in massachusetts oh uh -oh, you have a gun now we're gonna ruin your life and make you a felon
0: right
4: uh yeah so it happens
0: well i like what you put on the bottom of your uh declaratory judgment that you're looking for it says uh, the Franklin County Courthouse in Greenfield Mass on the front of it it's it's, it's inscribed law secures liberty without license
4: that's what they tell us right, right? that is right. the law yep. there's no license for rights
0: Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Bear Arms I thank you so much for your time today I appreciate yeah. you being on the show we'll have to do this again for sure that's and cool. you can let us know how that all works out for you in the long run and uh, I want to thank everyone for listening in it's a fascinating talk about how we've gone so wrong here and uh, let's get our rights restored man and I'm willing to to help out and figure out how to do it myself so anyway thanks so much for listening uh, I'm Toby Lear this is Rapid Fire your weekly show about guns freedom second amendment and self defense and remember freedom is always on the right side of history so be a responsible gun owner put on a good face of on ownership in your community and together we'll change the world i'm toby Larry. god bless we'll see you next time